With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. guys, welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your one-stop shop for Carolina Panthers news and opinions. Um, the official podcast of the Cat Scratch Reader SB Nation Network. Um, this is Brad. I am taking Brian's place today because Brian decided he would rather sit on the beach and <laughs> drink cocktails than spend time podcasting about the Panthers um, with myself and with John. So I don't know. I don't know who would want to do that. Uh, I, I mean, know it's kind of lame spending um, time with your family spending instead time of with your, your family on co-host. vacation instead of being, being on a podcast. I mean, it's not like he drove all that way to, to go to visit them or anything. So no, it's, um, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, uh, and honestly, like this is what the fourth episode of the season and he's now missed two, two of them already. Yeah, I mean we we like we we're gonna have to like put him on bad, IR or not, something. Yeah, we're not we're not doing very well with the uh, show ups here, like show up rate here. Yeah, he would have gotten fired from from yeah. like his his real job. He showed up to work half the time. Unacceptable. But there. we'll move on. We'll yeah, we'll so find we'll a way. <laughs> All right, so. I listened so from what I heard, and I might have maybe I missed it from the Chargers game because we got to wrap up the Chargers game with my opinions because everybody's waiting to hear them. Uh, I don't think you guys talked about Joey Sly just manhandling a guy on a kickoff return. We did not talk about that. That deserves to be talked about. It does. <laughs> so Joey Sly, I thought it was funny because Joey Sly basically kicks a touchback on every single one of his kicks, and then the one time he didn't, he was just so mad at himself that he just grabbed the returner <laughs> yeah. and like body slammed him. <laughs> My now dare you is, return one I of my know, kicks. Yeah, my thing is I know they don't want to risk getting him injured, but he should be like a gunner on the punt team. Because <laughs> he, he can flat out lay people out. Um I know. And you know, it's it's really it's really cool to see kickers who can do that. He kind of reminds me of um the punter that did that. I can't remember for which us, one it was. The Panthers? No, uh for the Colts. Uh, Pat McAfee. Pat yeah, was it Pat McAfee that did it? I don't know. I do know what you're talking about. But you know, it's really funny seeing him next to uh, Joseph Charlton, who is a twig. Yes. And doesn't look like he's ever touched, like, ever seen a weight room. And uh, and then him and Joey Sly, like, after Joey Sly kicks the field goal and they're high five, and it looks like Joey Sly is just going to break Joseph Charlton's uh, arm off. Yeah. 
It, Joey Sly uh, has to be like the biggest kicker in the league too, doesn't he? In terms of muscle mass, yeah. There's also Randy Bullock. Yeah. But he. Um, let's see what else I had. All right, on the defense, who actually played? I thought the defense played well, somewhat. Like they gave up yards, but they kind of, I don't know. I thought watching them play, it didn't seem egregiously bad. And so, and that's kind of better than expected. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just a product of low expectations. But uh, Brian Burns looks so good. He's just like everywhere. And I don't know if that's, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not watching him as like a, from a scouting perspective, but just watching the game as an observer. And it's just like Brian Burns hitting the quarterback, Brian Burns stopping uh, a run play in the backfield, Brian Burns tackling uh, Justin Herbert before he could hand off a reverse. And then he's also like making plays down the field and stuff. He's just all over the place. Yeah, it's crazy what he can do when he actually gets to play. I know. Um, I saw a stat. I I want to say it was Monday when I saw it that he was he's already played like fifty some odd percent of snaps, and last year he played twenty nine percent. And it's just amazing that last year's coaching staff thought that they sh- shouldn't put him on the field. Like, yeah. I, I just now I get it. It's there was a point in the season where he was hurt, like he hurt his wrist or mm-hmm. his hand or something. But I, I just you drafted him in the first round. He's really good. He can rush the passer. Why is he not playing more? It just didn't make any sense. And yeah. now we see that it it makes even less sense. <laughs> now he's been he's been really good. And I also appreciate that because I follow him on Instagram. That whenever people post nice things or like scouting fil- clips of him, he always reposts them. So I get to see what other people say about Brian Burns. Oh, okay. um, and then Jeremy Chin's kind of that way already too, where he's just kind of all around the ball. Yes. Um, and I don't know if you saw, but he had the most, he had like 12 tackles yesterday. And the most for a Panthers rookie since Daryl Worley in 2016. That is an odd trivia question answer. I know. <laughs> I was, I was, I was just like looking up when Luke Keighley did that. To, and then I was like, Oh, Daryl Worley had 12 tackles, but he coming is like, cornerbacks getting tackles is kind of a, an indictment. Yeah. You don't so want to get tackles as a corner. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the thing about Jeremy Chin that really gets me is he's so good. Like you see him all over the place, but PFF had him as their lowest graded defender on our defense last week. Yeah. I don't know that. I don't, know I, don't do that. I don't understand. And I saw something where they, they defended it by saying like they blame him for um, Eckler getting all those catches in space. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Eckler didn't really do that much, especially considering who he is and what he is capable of doing. I thought, I thought grading him that low was kind of harsh. Yeah. I mean, he averaged seven yards a catch, which is not, especially by Austin Eckler standards is not good. I don't know. And that's also kind of what people talk about when they, and it's all, it's like the player criticism of PFF where um, they don't know what the player is supposed to be doing. So sometimes they're docking players. They're, you know, they're, they're docking points off of players performance for doing what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah. I mean, we don't know that, that Jeremy Chen's job was to prevent him from catching the ball five Mm. yards out downfield and then, tackling him immediately like we don't know we don't know if he was supposed to do that or if he was supposed to do what he did yeah yeah i think that 
I think there should be like PFF should change how they grade. Like instead of making that a negative play, make it a net like neutral play or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it's not like Austin Eckler was getting all these catches with Jeremy Chin chasing after him and getting burnt in man to man coverage. It was just Justin. He just Herbert. happened to be the defender that was there to tackle him. Yeah, it's just that Herbert checking down to Eckler and Chin coming up and making a play. Um, so yeah, I don't under I don't understand that. I, we know that he played well. And that's all that yes, matters. That's also, what matters. Do you know who leads the team in quarterback hits? Um, I have a, I have a suspicion that it's Jeremy Chin. Is not. It is not. Okay. No. It is Zach Kerr. Zach Kerr. And that's he's also. Yeah, and he's also, but like, it, it's not surprising because when I was watching the game, I didn't get, to, I didn't get to watch much of it live on Sunday, but when I was watching it back, uh, yesterday or Sunday night and yesterday, I was like, who keeps hitting? Like, I, like I saw him hit Herbert a couple times, and he was like, in the back. I don't, he's new, so I don't recognize him right off the bat, and I had to keep, like, double-checking. Like, who is that? Oh, is that Kirk? Yeah, no. So he's he's been good. I wish he was, like, a young player because he's new, and my instant thought when I see a new player is, like, oh, got another young prospect, but he's 30. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he may as well <laughs> retire. He's, he's yeah. ancient. Yeah, but it is cool. He has been playing well, and I don't think anybody talks about him, but he deserves to be lauded for his play so far, I think. Yeah, I I think the defense overall played much, much better against San, um, San Diego, against Los Angeles. <laughs> um, but, you know, we do have to kind of grade on a curve because Herbert is a rookie, and, you know, rookies will make mistakes. But, I mean, I thought Herbert actually played pretty well. Uh, they just – the team itself, they kind of had the same problem we do. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Mm, yeah, it was. Like they couldn't even do a hook and ladder play at the end <laughs> of the game. Like they would have won the game <laughs> if that play went off successfully. So basically, today or Sunday's game against the Chargers was the inverse of the loss to the Buccaneers, where the Panthers didn't really like against the Buccaneers. They put up some pretty big numbers. And they played pretty well, but they lost because of all the turnovers. And then Sunday was kind of the inverse where they were a little more subdued. And they didn't, especially on offense, didn't really do much. But they forced a bunch of turnovers, so they won. Yeah, so turnovers and, and, important. Yes. Shout out to Dante Jackson. He almost had a pick six until he got tackled by Herbert. <laughs> and um, shout out to Trey Boston, who almost had a pick six, but he couldn't catch the interception. Yes. That's that's I really want Trey Boston to score a touchdown. But that's um, the mo- that was the most Trey Boston moment of the whole <laughs> game, too. Like he had he could have scored twice like he could have ran the length of the field twice. That's how wide <laughs> open it was. I know. And I think that's why he dropped it. He saw he saw the 90 yards of open space and was like, oh, good. And then he didn't catch it. Yeah, he saw he, he was thinking about his touchdown celebration before he caught it. Yeah. Um, On offense. I think this is something you guys talked about. Um, Teddy, we're now three weeks into the Teddy Bridgewater experience, and I'm getting a little tired of the checkdowns. Oh God, yes. <laughs> so I can't remember. I saw I've seen people ask if it's a Joe Brady thing or a Teddy Bridgewater thing, and given the history we have with Teddy Bridgewater, it's very hard for me to not assume it's Teddy Bridgewater. Because, I, I think it is Teddy Bridgewater. So last year. You know how you know average. You know how they have like the next gen stats. Mm-hmm. They have a- average air yards to the sticks. So like 
how far a quarterback is throwing the ball down the field relative to the first down marker. Yes. Um, Teddy, and I think you knew this probably. Teddy Far, the had the shortest average, like shortest air yards to the sticks. Like he was throwing short of the first down marker, significantly more than the next best quarter or next worst quarterback. I guess you could say it that way. And uh, he also is routinely one of the lowest aggressiveness percentage players, like in terms of challenging tight windows and only throwing to open players. So yeah, this is this is Teddy Bridgewater, everybody. Yeah. This is your this is Hopefully uh, y'all like it because that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what Teddy Bridgewater always has been and probably always will be. Um just throwing the ball. Like he's very quick, like he gets to the top of his drop and if that first read isn't there, he just throws it to like Mike Davis said what, nine targets? Yeah. On Sunday. <laughs> Yeah. And they, they they were not like Christian McCaffrey designed plays. It was just like Mike Davis standing at the line of scrimmage. Here, go go do something. Average five and a half yards per catch. Yeah, and what makes me the most frustrated is when he does that on third and nine. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I get it that you don't want to turn the ball over, but you got to take some risks sometimes. Like, you can't just check it down every single time. Yeah, like these, it's, it's part of the reason the red zone numbers were so bad. Was just, it's like, it's third and seven from the 15, and he's from a clean, like, he gets to the end of his drop, and even though the pocket is clean, and even though he has more time, he's just like immediately programmed himself to just go straight to the check down. And like you said, it's so it's third and seven, we get four yards, and now we're kicking another field goal. Yeah, and, and I know Matt Rule said that we struggled in the red zone because we couldn't establish the run, but. I think that was just his nice way of not throwing Teddy under the yeah. bus uh, because when you throw short of the sticks and you don't take risks and you don't throw it into the, into the end zone, you're not going to score very many touchdowns. Yeah. And it's funny that this is, we're talking about this now because I, um I have red zone on in the background while we're recording this and Teddy, he just did what I just said and I wasn't even it went on purpose. So it's third and eight from the 19 yard line. And he immediately, top of his drop, all the time in the world, throws a comeback to Curtis Samuel at the 14. Yeah. Which is has zero chance of picking up a first down because he had a defender right on him. But one other thing on offense before we go around the NFL, because that's, that's kind of my favorite thing to talk about right now. Uh, Mike Davis is like... Mike Davis is so shifty, but I think he runs like a 5-140. He's Jonathan Stewart reincarnated <laughs> he has got more wiggle than stewart but a little he's like yeah he's like kind of like um jonathan stewart combined with um what was that other fozzy whitaker like he's the he's both of yeah. them combined into one player yeah so i'm like watching him and he's you know he's making some people miss and he's weaving in and out of traffic and he's uh making some nice cuts but whenever he gets open field in front of them and it's time to turn on the jets. There are no jets to be turned on. No. And no, he gets run down from behind in like three yards. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, if you put him, if you put him in like a phone booth, he'll make people miss. He just won't be able to get out of the phone booth in time for them exactly. to, to come back. Now. And granted he's perfect in his role as the number two running back mm-hmm. and to like give Christian McCaffrey a, a break or an opportunity to split out wide or whatever. So he, you know, I think he's going to end up being worth the contract that they're paying him. But like you said, it is, 
he's not going to break off an 80 yard touchdown run. Yeah, no, no chance. So <laughs> just, I was, it's not going to happen. Yeah, so. so I thought that was funny. Just McCaffrey to an extent. So there were times where he would find an opening and just not be able to run away from anybody. But I get, like you said, he's a backup. That's that's what you should expect. And then, yeah, that's about all I had for for that added to the to add to the equation. We were supposed to get Brian's Curtis Samuel heel turn today but he yes, decided we his were, family but he, yeah he decided his family's more important than us and i'm still mad about that <laughs> so uh around the nfl let me see here my first note says uh lolololol falcons <laughs> the falcons <laughs> they are they became on sunday the first team in nfl history to blow two 15 or more point leads in the fourth quarter and lose both games. I, it's amazing. So it has never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you my story. Okay. Uh, how I, about I learned this, how I learned about this and it's it both games really, but, uh, so I had softball on Sundays, which is why I'm not usually part of the post game show. And so my game was at four 30 and when I got to the field, I was watching Red Zone on like a tablet on the way there, but I got off of that when the Panthers game started. So when I last checked in on the the Panther or the Falcons and Bears game, it was 26 to 10. And I had no idea what was going on. And so about halfway through my softball game, I take out my phone to look at something in the, I wanted to look at something in the Panthers box score. And I have an ESPN alert right at the top that says, Falcons blow it again, lose to Bears 30-26. And I was like, oh my God, the Falcons lost again. And yeah. my, the rest of my team was like, what? The Falcons lost? I'm like, yeah, the Falcons lost to the Bears. Like, no way. They were up by like 16 and I was like, yeah, they lost. And they're like, how do they lose? Yeah, I was watching the game before the Carolina-Los Angeles game because, you know, we played at 4 o'clock. And mm-hmm. I – um. The Bears had two touchdowns taken away from them. Yeah. In the second half, one was the catch rule, which he did not catch it. No, to be yeah, fair. Yeah. It hit the ground. Uh, and then the other one, I want to say it was a penalty or something. I can't remember how it got taken away. Um, or it might have been an interception or something. I don't remember now. But anyway, oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. that was they, like the double catch and they call it, and it was an interception. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, it was a 50-50 ball, and they, they called it. was an interception, so they made the right call both times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, okay, you know, the Falcons, they're up 26-10 to 10 or whatever. It's the fourth quarter. They're going to win this game. They'll be one and two. Hopefully we can do something and be one and two as well. At the very least, keep up with the Falcons. And then we do the game, everything, and then I go on Twitter, and I see – our friends of the program, um, DW and Gina, are talking about how awful it is to be a Falcons fan. <laughs> and I'm like, why are they talking about that now? They won. And then I looked and I was like, oh, no, they didn't win. They lost. <laughs> oh, LOL, LOL, Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I couldn't believe they, they, they blew that game again. Like, and to the Bears, too. Like, it wasn't like it was a – a perennial playoff team. It was the base to Nick Foles. <laughs> and that was also how I found out that they blew the game to the Cowboys was I left with the, the Falcons up by two scores 
and the game in control. And some guy on the other team, I guess, is a Cowboys fan, and they're batting, so he checks his phone. And he's like, "Oh, the Cowboys won!" I'm like, what? What? How did, they, how did the Cowboys win? There's no yeah. way the Cowboys won. And, and so I mean, it's not you know. Uh, the bright side for the Falcons is at least this time they didn't look stand there and watch an onside kick just roll past. Oh, yeah, them. I know. So they were they will that one. There was one moment of pure incompetence. This one was several, just an extended stretch of incompetence throughout the yeah, fourth quarter. It was they 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 what was it they did? They wasted. They ran eleven seconds off the clock because they had three incompletions. And that's what gave Chicago enough time to come back and take the lead. Because <laughs> they, <had, laughs> they couldn't run the yeah, ball. Yeah, they were in twenty-two. <laughs> they had twenty-two seconds off the clock um, on there after the Bears' second touchdown. So the Bears, the Bears turned the ball over, and it was funny because uh, Scott Hansen was like, "No lead. We know the Falcons. No lead is safe, but this one's kind of tough because it's like twenty-six to ten after the after the." the uh, pass got overturned, the incomplete pass in the end zone. Yeah. And then the Falcons went three plays, five yards, punted. Then the Bears marched down the field, scored a touchdown in less than three minutes. And then the Falcons, three plays, one yard, punt, one minute off the clock. Bears, and then the Bears' second touchdown was also very Falcons because it was a comeback route to Allen Robinson, who's not a good uh, yak guy. Mm-hmm. And he caught a pass standing still. And somehow two Falcons couldn't tackle him while he was standing still, and he took off and scored a touchdown. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, that was the second touchdown. It was yeah, like a- I, I didn't see how the Bears came back and won. The only play, the only highlight I saw was the the Matt Ryan interception that gave Chicago the ball back so they could take uh, take a knee. Yeah, so the second the second fourth quarter touchdown, Allen Robinson ran a comeback route. Um, you know, so he's moving back towards the line of scrimmage and yeah. stopping to catch the ball. And the Falcons, the Falcons basically ran into each other trying to tackle him and he just turned around and ran into the end zone uncontested. So it was kind of like the Stefan Diggs touchdown against the Saints. Yeah, kind of like uh, I can't remember, I don't remember who they were, but the corner like ran up on his back and just kind of overran him trying to grab him and then the other player, I think it was Keanu Neal kind of had to hurdle him to try to get in help and he slid off at Robinson trying to grab him. And then and then the Falcons went three plays minus 5 yards, 22 seconds punt and the Bears went down for the game-winning touchdown. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you have to fire Dan Quinn, right? Yeah, like, Dan Quinn has to lose his job over this. Because even if it's not his fault, so to speak, just like that, you can't have that culture in the building. You need something to point to to say, this is why we're not the same Falcons. Yeah. Because as long as Dan like Quinn's there. We, yeah, it's kind of like how we ended up with Ron Rivera. Like, it yeah. just comes to a point where – you know, and from all that I've read and heard and seen about Dan Quinn, he is a super nice guy. Uh, he's like the Ron mm-hmm. Rivera of the, <laughs> of the Falcons, but they've got to fire him. Like, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Like I said, it's just purely for like, you can't convince your fan base and probably can't even convince your team that you're not the Falcons. This is not your identity. As long as, unless you can point to something to say, this is a note, this is a, defined change where we are not that team anymore. You can't do yeah. that with the same personnel, like same coaching staff. Yeah. And I mean, firing him and promoting um, their offensive coordinator is it Dirk Cutter, their offensive coordinator. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that probably won't make a difference. Uh, mm-hmm. it, they probably will still win five or six games like we're going to do, but you got to change. Like you've mm-hmm. got to, like you said, you've got to convince people, Hey, we're doing something. 
even if it doesn't work, you've got to do something yeah. different. Yeah. Um, while speaking of, in, I, most of my notes are about teams or people being bad. So this will be fun. Uh, New York is bad at football. The Jets like, or really? the Giants? Or both. <laughs> they're, oh, they're combined 0-6 with a minus 98 point differential through three weeks. Okay. I didn't realize the Giants were 0-3 too. I thought they were 1-2. and um, No, so... The Giants did the thing where in prime time against the Steelers, who were good, that they they looked competent. Yeah, so people are okay. like, so you well, got that's that. What, that's the little bit of them I saw that was yeah. against the Steelers. So okay, so you got that, that first sense. impression, and then they got yeah. beat by the Bears. Even though the Bears kind of let them hang around, but the Bears weren't really aren't that good either. And then they got rocked by the forty the Forty ers B team, uh, on the sticky turf. So yeah, they're bad. The Jets are horrifically bad. The Jets are horrifically bad, and I honestly, I believe, and I said this in our Slack group, I honestly think 99% of the Jets' problem is Adam Gase. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be helping. He doesn't seem <laughs> to be helping. I, And it's just like the Sam Darnold thing. I think Sam Darnold has the chance to be a franchise quarterback if you get him away from Adam Gase. <laughs> and Adam you have Gase. to do it now before he gets, he gets too tainted. Yeah, I, I just... I, it was one of those things where I kind of talked about with the Eagles, which I want to get to them again. But you kind of watch the process that they're going through. It's just like, so what exactly are you doing here? Yeah, I I think they're going to come to the realization in a couple of weeks that they're going to win maybe one game, two if they're lucky. <laughs> yeah. and they're just going to start accumulating assets like Miami did last year. And they're just going to start trading people away. I think we could probably get and this is controversial because I know the tank for Trevor thing is a big thing, but we should offer them a third round pick for Sam Darnold. And if they take it, we should take Sam Darnold, sit him under Teddy Bridgewater for the rest of the year, let him learn the system, let him what. And if we can flip Teddy Bridgewater at the draft next year, do so and let Sam Darnold be our quarterback and then draft a left tackle in the first three to five picks or whatever, or we, could, whatever we pick or, um, or you could even just draft another quarterback and see who shakes out. Yeah, you could do that too. Uh, you know, it because I don't think we're going to get the number one overall pick. I know a lot of people want that, and I'm not. I'm not going to tell people how to root for the team. I'm not going to say that you shouldn't want us to tank or whatever. That's whatever you mm -hmm. want to want. Um, but I do think wanting to tank is a waste of time. And it's only going to make you disappointed because I don't think there's any way possible we are worse than the Jets. Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't think no, we could even try to be worse than the Jets. Yeah, I don't. It's they're so bad, and they are so Adam bad. Gaze, so like Adam Gaze is still riding off the fact that he was like Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator for two years, where he didn't actually have to do anything. Exactly. Because then he got a job. He was the Bears' offensive coordinator, and they were uh, 21st in yard and, and 23rd in scoring. Not great. And then he became the head coach of the Dolphins, where offensively, 24th in yards, 17th in scoring, 25th in yards, 30 or I lost my place, 28th in scoring, and then 31st in yards, and or 26th in yards, 20th in scoring. And he, so yeah, he's getting he's progressively part of the worse. Miami. He's part of the reason Miami is having to recover and rebuild yeah. now like it's they're so having got, yeah they're recovering from adam gaze yeah and he got progressively the team got progressively worse yes. under his 
tenure. Like they went ten and six his first year, and then they went six and ten, and then it was seven and nine. But like based on this little simple rating system thing that I'm looking at, that has their strength of schedule factored in, they got significantly worse year over year over year. And then there the Jets. He doesn't have a single year in between where he can do the whole like Mike McCarthy, like oh I learned so much or whatever. He just one next year Jets like that's our guy, and it's been awful. And it's even stranger to me that the Jets are the team that hired him because they played against him twice a year for three <laughs> years in Miami. They should know how awful he is. You would think. But I um, mean, maybe I, they maybe they are intentionally tanking and that they this is a grand master plan to to rebuild <laughs> the Jets from the ground up or something. I don't know. But Adam Gase is awful yeah. and he probably so shouldn't bad. be an NFL coach anywhere. Unless he's like no. a like an offensive line coach or something, <laughs> or tight ends um, coach elsewhere. or whatever. Yeah, whatever he did before. Um, elsewhere, Vikings also very bad. So kind yes. of surprisingly. Um, yeah, the Vikings are bad. They, I I don't think they're as bad as their record is. I think they'll end up winning like eight eight games. Yeah, like but yeah, somewhere between not, six. And they're 10 not and good eight, right eight. now. Yeah, I think they'll they'll shape up a little bit uh also bad are the eagles which we already talked about so i've basically have have steadfastly held on to the belief that carson wentz isn't that good even when he had that 33 touchdown season and people were like oh carson wentz mvp if he didn't get hurt and i was like i really don't like it's kind of like the curtis samuel thing where i'm just like i know what people are saying and i know what like these stats especially well his stats weren't even that great it was just he threw a lot of touchdown which is kind of a circumstance thing more than a skill thing but i was like i just watch him and he's just not good i just don't think he's good and i feel very vindicated that people are talking about he needs to be benched and he's like the worst passer rating in the nfl right now i know his team is terrible but i'm gonna i'm gonna bask in the glory of my opinion that i've feel correct (laughs) about that nobody else really knew about except for me so i got that um, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't think Carson Wentz is that great. I do think he's overrated. Yes, he's been perpetually overrated. And I honestly think that if he played for, I'm just going to throw a small market team out there. If he played for the Panthers, <laughs> nobody yeah. would give two shits about him and he would not be overrated. No, he, he yeah, it's kind of like I talked about at the beginning of the year with the Eagles being sneaky bad. The Eagles just are supposed to be good. Like, there's something about the logo and the colors and all that stuff where people just kind of – it elevates people's perception of them. And mm-hmm. him being on the Eagles, I think by proxy, elevated him. But, yes, he's bad. Um, the last thing, because we're getting a little long in this segment, we need, we need to talk about the Cardinals. Uh, is Taysom Hill actually a useful football player or is everybody just so fascinated by the fact that he's listed as a quarterback and he does other things? I think it's a little of column A, a little of column B. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's got talent. I yeah. think he could be, I think in, especially in new Orleans with Sean Payton, he could be a good quarterback. Like he's not drew Brees, but I think that, if if Drew Brees leaves or retires or whatever at the end of this year and they just roll with Taysom Hill, I think the Saints will still be a ten and six to twelve and four team, mm-hmm. provided they keep Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. 
but I don't think he's like, he's definitely not as good as Joe Buck and Troy Aikman think he is. <laughs> or anybody and, really though. Or anybody not really. Them, he's yeah. not, yeah, he's not, he's not like Lamar Jackson good. No. It's kind of like what I feel like he gets hyped up to be. Mm-hmm. And he, he's not that good. Yeah, so I, I'm, I watched a little bit of the something in that game, and then just watching in general, I kind of had this thought. <clears throat> I kind of had the thought where it's like he is a goodish. He's a good gadget player, but like there are lots of good gadget players that are just as good as Taysom Hill. But the fact that Taysom Hill is the where's number seven and is listed as a quarterback, they're like, oh my god, he's a quarterback and he can catch a football. I don't understand. Yeah, and it's like I don't think. It's he's that special of an athlete. I think it's just the fact that he's a quarterback doing these things makes people lose their minds when there's all sorts of players who can do the same kind of thing. But if he was listed, if he was listed as a tight end, nobody would care. I yeah, I agree with that. So I, that was that was my thought because, and I think it really stood out because of the stat line that he put up on uh, Sunday Night Football, which was two carries for six yards one catch for one yard and then he had a fumble and that was it so three touches for three uh three touches for seven yards and a lost fumble yeah that that doesn't sound elite to me yeah just cannot guy makes that offense tick and i i honestly believe and it's kind of hard to buy this right now, three weeks in after what we've seen, but I think the Saints made a mistake keeping him over Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I don't know that he could actually be a useful quarterback if you make him like stand in the pocket and do regular quarterback things. Like Maybe you can use him kind of like the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson, where the offense is built around his running. And uh, You know what he really sub- is? And he, this will Tim probably Tebow. make people mad. He is a better Tim Tebow. And better we have, and we have to reserve judgment on the better because he's never actually had to be the focal point. That's true, but he can throw better than Tim Tebow. It look, yes, it does. Is much more. It looks much better when he throws. Yeah, but yeah, he's bas- I think he's basically Tim Tebow. He's Tim Tebow that can that can throw. Yeah. So that was that was that. Uh, do you have anything else before we talk about the Cardinals? Um, no, I don't think I do. I think we've already made fun of everything that needed to be made fun of. <laughs> Yeah, there there is a lot this week, a lot to be made fun of. I will right, we'll be right back after the the break, which yeah, we'll be right back after the break, and then we'll talk about the Cardinals real quick. Welcome back. All by right. the way, by the way, before you you start talking about how that product and or podcast changed your <laughs> life, uh, I noticed when I was getting the embed for the post game show that there was a political ad in there. Oh, okay. So I don't know I'm what not, it was. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to give because I don't want to get political. <laughs> uh, because I don't I, know. Yeah. I don't know which one it'll be, and I don't want. I don't want my our listeners' opinion of me to change because I'm doing it. <laughs> it's a bit like I. I have yeah, we no don't idea. We don't our, know what the ads are. <laughs> um, in case any of you listening didn't know that, uh, it's always been a bit. I have never used in knowingly used any of the things or listen to any of the things we advertise. Cause I don't even know what they are. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what that's were, And it might not have been like for a particular politician. I just saw, I can't remember what I saw, but it was like, Oh, that's political in nature. 
But I, I can almost assure it. you that as a an independent moderate, I probably hate the the candidate that is going <laughs> to do it. So um, I'm not going to do the whole bit this time. Yeah. So I don't like I said. I don't know if it was endorsing a candidate or if it was endorsing some sort of network. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, the Panthers play the Cardinals on Sunday, and I. It's I don't know to... that much about the Cardinals. I'm not going to yeah. lie. They have Kyler Murray. He's pretty good. He, yeah, he juke the, the life out of a Lions defender on Sunday. Yes. I They're do... two and one. So my instant thought, my instant reaction to us playing the Cardinals is born out of the the way I perceived the Panthers under the previous regime which is the Cardinals like to attack quickly and attack short areas of the field and use their mobile quarterback. And in the previous years, I'd be like, yep, we are not going to stop them to save our lives because we are going to sit back and let them do exactly what they want to do uh, for fear of breaking, quote unquote, mm-hmm. bending and not breaking. And the Cardinals are like, that's fine. We're not trying to break you. We're just trying to move the ball. Now, without us actually kind of attempting to, uh, affect the Cardinals game plan, but I still don't trust the defense's ability to contain Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and Kenyon Drake and all that, all the weapons they have. I agree. I don't think, I don't think we're, we're ready for that challenge, but Mm. I do think we'll give it the old college try. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like, so Kyler Murray, I only remember last year he kind of didn't run as much as people expected, especially beginning of the year. Uh, he is not doing that this year. Uh, he's already got four rushing touchdowns, so Cam Newton's record. Got to watch out for that rushing touchdown record. And he's averaging about sixty-three rushing yards per game. So That's actually, a lot. that that puts him technically on pace for about. Uh, he's not gonna. I don't think he'll sustain that because he had 91 in the week one. But yeah, he's he's a menace. And I don't know how our defense stops him or the Cardinals' offense in general, really. Yeah, because if you put all of your your focus on stopping Kyler Murray from running all over you, he's just gonna throw it over the top to Luke mm. Hopkins. And our or secondary, is, our our secondary is not prepared to handle that. No. I um I know they just lost to the Lions and the Lions are bad. But and I know this you can't be like oh this is just bad luck cuz they turned the ball over a lot. But we talked about this at the beginning where the Panthers lost badly to Tampa Bay because of turnovers and then they were able to beat Los Angeles because of turnovers. Uh Arizona lost that turnover battle 3 to 0 and they lost by 3 points. So, you know, yeah. on a like to, play to, to a play. Bad base. Team. Yeah, and like on a Played them. They were better than the Lions. They just turned the ball over, and turnovers are not something generally you can rely on. Kyler Mer- Kyler is thrown picks in all three games, but I don't think we can expect him to throw three every week. So no, and I, I don't think we can expect our defense to almost have two pick sixes every week either. <laughs> yes, so, you know, I I just I don't I don't want to say that there's no way we can win the game. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be surprised if we lose. Yeah, 
Because I, I think also, the Cardinals are better than we are. Yeah, and I think their defense is not – it's not great, but I think it's better than people think because they last year they were really, really bad. Yeah, um, and we'll, we'll help them out by being too conservative on third down. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll help them out by getting into third and four and then throwing a one-yard uh, check down to Dave. Um, so I, I don't – Somehow ESPN and their like football power index or whatever it's called has this game as like a 50-50, perfectly 50-50 split on who c- could win, which seems generous. I would probably go like 60-40 Cardinals or 65-35 Cardinals. Yeah, like, I not, think that's I more accurate. Yeah, like, I don't think the Panthers are going to get blown out by any means, but I think if these teams played uh, several games, I think like if the, these teams played like a seven-game series, I would pick the Cardinals to win the series. Yes. So, and I would pick, I would think that they would probably win it in five games. Yeah. So, there, anything can happen on Sunday. I just think it's more likely that the Cardinals win. Yeah. Like, if fine. I were going to, if I were going to gamble on the result of this game, I would put money on the Cardinals winning. <laughs> yeah. So, there's, there's that. Um, I don't really know much about their defense, honestly. I just know, like I said, I, the lead on their offense is very, frightening like they have we everybody knows about drake and hopkins and murray but then andy isabella has been playing more with christian kirk out and i don't know if christian kirk will be back or not uh andy isabella is really fast yeah and he scored a couple touchdowns last week and i could see him burning dante jackson and trey boston for a 70 yard touchdown i i think that's just about guaranteed to happen <laughs> At least I, yeah. once. I can see I can see the Andy Isabella stat line of like one catch for sixty five yards and a touchdown, and that's on two targets. And that's his that's his day of the office. Yeah. So I don't I I, said, I don't know what more to really dive into because I don't really know much about the Cardinals. They've kind of flown under the radar a little bit this I, season. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like I just know that they have good players, they have good at the positions that matter they have good players and Mm -hmm. they're two and one um you know they beat the 49ers which to be fair the 49ers have like 12 people on injured reserve (laughs) they were kind of healthy for that they were kind yeah that was the week one so yes they were healthy-ish i don't know how yeah 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 and then they beat the the football team which (laughs) i don't know how you can judge that because of the new coach and new scheme and all that. And then it's a Ron Rivera team. So they probably weren't very prepared for the Cardinals and then they lost the lion. So anything can happen. Yeah. I also, it, it, by the way, I love when people call them football team, like about yes. the Washington part as <laughs> like, yes, it, just, it sounds silly. Um, yeah. I don't really know what else to add really to that. Um, they, there's just they're very they're kind of an enigma and we kind of are i think the panthers kind of are too because we're we the panthers haven't been great this season but they have been more they've been better than i expected like i was half expecting not a dumpster fire because i think i thought they'd be organized and they play hard but like we're stopping the run and we're limiting big plays and we're you know moving the ball relatively consistently on offense and i wasn't really expecting that like top from like top to bottom level of competence across the board yeah. from the start, especially without preseason or training, real training camps and stuff like that. And so 
I still I still really haven't figured out the Panthers yet, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. So it, it, it's this game is kind of tough to to preview in that regard. So I it'll guess we'll, be fun. Yeah, it'll be, it's kind of like we talked about going into the season. It's it's hard to know what to expect because we have ever seen this before, and we have the Panthers right now are actually kind of weak to match up with who's available and who they're playing against, which is wild to see. And we're playing a Cardinals team that's, you know, on the up and up supposedly, and don't really know what to expect from them on a week to week basis. Cause they're also changing pretty rapidly. So we get to, to go into this kind of blind and see what's going on. I am looking forward to watching it though. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in how we we handle a, an offense designed like the Cardinals' offense is. So yeah, because it's going to take discipline. Because they we haven't because the Herbert can run, but they didn't really use him as a as a threat in the run game. And so this will be a, yeah, this will be our first test of a mobile quarterback that's Tom Brady or the furthest thing one can be from a mobile quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And Justin Herbert is not a willing runner at this point. Yes. So that's a, it's good. Good. And the defense, I guess. Um, I will say, so Murray's been sacked six times and he's thrown five picks. So maybe we will get some fun, exciting plays yeah. on defense. Maybe we can get to him. Yeah. And he's little, you know, shouldn't be too hard to tackle him, right? No, right. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's very little. Um, do you have a score prediction before we send yeah, the listeners um, away? Uh, looking at their previous results, I think I want to say the Cardinals are going to win like twenty-seven to twenty. Yeah, that's kind of they've all three of their games have been pretty similar. They've all had a point total between forty-four and forty-nine. So we'll we'll do that twenty-seven twenty. I'll say Cardinals twenty-eight, Panthers twenty-four. Panthers 20, Panthers 20, because they're going to kick field goals. They're not going to score any touchdowns. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, with that, I think we're all we're all wrapped up. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I don't have anything to add because I'm like you. I don't know that much about the Cardinals. I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll... I, haven't, I haven't paid that much attention to them this year. Yeah. it's And then, like I said, it, it, there hasn't been a lot. There isn't anything about them that really stands out other than Kyler Murray. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Tune in on Sunday night-ish, Monday morning, to hear the B&B post-game show to react to this Cardinals game we're not expecting. We're about Assuming to Brian can be bothered to talk. <laughs> Brian wants to get back to work for once. Uh, and then we'll do this again next Wednesday. See you guys later. Later.